Craggy Island Rugby episode 29 here from the commentary booth where Galway Bay FM commentate from in the sports ground. I'm Rob Murphy, your host. Alan Deegan is going to take over from here. Alan, you're very welcome along. Hi, Rob. Yeah, you're going to be chatting to William. He's down in the stand, keeping your place. He is indeed, and Dave's over there as well, so I'll, uh, I'll have a quick chat with them before the game. Perfect day for rugby. Osprey's here. They racked up a little bit late. I'm sure you'll talk to the lads about that. Um, they look relaxed. They look calm. They have the best uh, try differential record in the league, 50 tries for 28 against. They only seem to concede tries in the last uh, 20 minutes. Other than that, they're pretty, uh, pretty tight in defence, so Connacht have a huge task on the last game of the season William and we have something to play for yeah indeed we do it's uh, judgment day if uh, we were trying to sell this on uh, pay-per-view television Um, it's a big ask today Osprey's top of the league they have a lot to play for they badly want a home semi-final we just have to win this and then see what happens elsewhere Edinburgh Leinster and uh, the Scarlets away in Treviso it's a perfect day for rugby there's very little wind there is a breeze but it's nothing too serious the sun is shining the pitch looks magnificent Um, we've scored a lot of tries this year as have Ospreys it could be a really cracker of a match yeah that's uh, absolutely right I hope it is a cracker of a match it's quite a unique feeling a rugby match kicking off at 3 o'clock on a Saturday I mean it's so old school I I can't remember the last time we kicked off at 3 o'clock on a Saturday there's a good crowd coming in there's a good buzz around the place Uh, at some stage today Connacht are probably just going to have to go for it they can't I think if they try to just sit into this game they could get worn down so they might as well fire all the bullets and I wouldn't be holding back Okay, William, it's uh, just, just short of 19 minutes. We'll, there's been a break in play as uh, what looked like a very high tackle is not being called by the referee and Kieran Marmion's down. But we're losing 10-0 and it's not looking good. No, it's, it's not. Um, they've only been in our 22 twice and uh, they're 10-0 up. They hardly touched the ball for the first couple of minutes. Um, they absolutely killed us at that scrum for the try pushed us off the ball and then took the opportunity they were given uh, slightly frustrating because uh, Edinburgh are leading Leinster and the Scarlets are losing in Italy OK William 24-0 at half time we're getting murdered we're being absolutely annihilated Alan um, I thought this would be a very difficult day but it's it's really really poor it's the worst half of rugby we've played for the whole season I know they're the league leaders but they're killing us uh, our breakdown has disintegrated we've handed them three tries Alan Wynne-Jones is turning over ball nearly every time and um, this, this could become really nasty yeah, it's not looking great. Our only hope is that they empty the bench and don't annihilate us even worse in the second half. We'll talk then. OK, William, it's uh, 54 minutes. We've got it back to 24-11 with a conversion to come. You can see, they're just waiting for this conversion here now. Crowd is going to erupt. Crowd has filled up since half-time. It's bizarre. Did people not know the kickoff time? Back. Yeah. Yeah. What happens at halftime, William? Because we're watching two totally different teams here. In Connacht, I mean, not, not Ospreys. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, if, if you could bottle it, you could probably make a fortune. Uh, 
they've just come out, they must have got an absolute bollocking. And they've come out, they've got stuck in, they've made tackles. And be, this game is on a knife edge. The other games, this is going to be some last 26 minutes. Yes! Okay, William, it's 70 minutes. We're still down by nine. We've put in an unbelievable performance in the second half. Things aren't quite going away in the other matches, but it's still there for us. It's still there. They're fighting very, very hard. It's um, slightly, I'm still slightly frustrated about the first half, but they're giving it absolutely everything here. They've no choice. They just have to go for it. That's fine. That's fine. Keep it tight, lads. Keep it tight. 75 minutes, William. Lancaster have gone back in front. We're still in with a chance of seven plays, even though we're still trailed by nine. We've just got a penalty, which we should kick into their half. I don't know. Maybe if we get a losing bonus, that'd be nice. Well, it would be a fantastic turnaround from uh, where we were at half time. It would also be amazing to deny the Ospreys a bonus point because they've they've done very very little, and there is a wind issue, but it's not that big a wind. They've, uh, I think they, the 24 nil, probably just switched off. This is incredible. This is incredible. Ospreys looked as though they got a scrum, a penalty from a scrum to get the ball clear, but they want the bonus point. So they ran it, turned it over, Swifty got the ball, went for the line, and it's now gone to TMO. This is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It's also the fact that Leinster are leading Edinburgh. So uh, seventh place, if that holds. We're going to wait to see if we picked up a bonus point. Connor going back to the halfway line. They look very confident, or at least they're pretending they are. And uh, the pressure here, the excitement is unbelievable. We're watching the big screen. We're waiting for the referee. He's looking at the big screen. He doesn't know what's going on. Here we go. Here's another angle. Here we go. Decision, decision's coming. Decision's coming. Okay, William, we've sort of calmed down, we've had the, the goodbyes and the teams are still there, they're still living, lapping it up and there's still a huge amount of people here 25 minutes after the after the, the game is finished. But what a way to finish. We're still in the league, it's incredible. Yeah, we still are, we're off to Gloucester next Sunday. Uh, brilliant second half performance, Dan McFarland talked about it. He also discussed the fact that fortunately the first half performance preceded it. But we're still alive, and um, they just got to go there and give it 100%. All the pressure's on Gloucester. They're expected to win that game. And um, let's see what happens. Craggy Island Rugby forum part of the podcast. Alan looks at me with a state of shock. Are you about to introduce this podcast again? We've done so already. This would be the third one. Oh yeah, how many times have we introduced it? Anyways, Dave Finn, you're very welcome along. I'm introducing you. Oh, thanks for me, Rob. Connacht will be playing a 30th game this season, William Davies. Indeed they will. So we'll have an episode 30. This is still episode 29, though, and Alan Deegan is still here. Amazingly, because at half-time I wasn't going to be. You're so freaking grump. Well, Dan McFarland talked about it. It's, it's, it's actually bizarre. It's hard to, to fathom what goes on in their heads. Um, and suddenly you're 24-0 down. That's really what seemed to happen. And they sloped off at half-time. I've never heard as little noise for a Connacht team leaving the pitch. There was nobody clapping. There was a lot of very annoyed people. 
Well, particularly uh, the ringleader of the annoyed people. People will have heard uh, your inserts at this stage and will have got a good feel for it. But yeah, maybe in hindsight, Alan, like because uh, I haven't heard it, but maybe do you want to justify, do you want to take back any comments you said at halftime? Absolutely not. Yeah. They were abysmal at halftime. The, yeah. the lack of fight was the biggest problem I had. The lack of the guys standing around looking, watching fellas run through, and everyone standing around looking at it—it it was a, it was shocking. Was it was the worst half of rugby we've played this year, and I said it at the time, and I still believe it. It was brutal. There was one but point. Ten minutes into the second half, I was happy again, even though it was only we'd scored three points. We were fighting. There was one point, Dave. Uh, just to take up your point about before halftime, I said in the commentary. I don't know if you're listening. Where you could see 15 players standing in 15 different spots of the pitch when there was a stoppage. 15 Connacht players, all on their own, all in their own world. Now Brett came in and said they're tired, but it was also a clear sign. The body language was all wrong. But then, in fairness, John Muldoon brought them in a few minutes later, and and they did dig in just before halftime, and they certainly dug in after halftime. Um, to say they were headless chickens in the first half would be offensive to chickens who've lost their heads. It was <laughs> awful. I mean, there were a few. There were a few things you could argue. I mean, I thought Matria probably had probably his worst game that I've seen him had, but that yep. doesn't explain anything. Nope. The conditions were tough and it's t- difficult to kick up the hill. I didn't realise there was a slope on this pitch. This is how out of it I am. But of course there is because I walk. I feel it when I walk in. That's not an excuse. The wind is tough coming in off Bohemore. That's not an excuse. One of those things could maybe explain where you're going in 10, 12 then. They just stank in the first half. And I think if they're being honest with them, not one player would deny that. Individually, collectively, it was a mess. From the moment they went for a scrum on the penalty when they could have kicked a touch, you just thought, uh-oh. Could have been, should have been more at halftime than 24. Really should have been 31, 35, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But the problem is, once you, we got at them... They weren't quite as sophisticated and cool as they were trying to portray. And they that, really did get rattled. They, Alan Wynne-Jones turned from Mr. Orchestrator to Mr. Outright Agitated Person on that page. Yep, and that's the point that if you'd started that way and after 20 minutes it was 3 each or we were leading 6-3 or something, then you would have started to get inside their heads. Um, but we never really gave ourselves that chance. And we can't keep doing it because it's gone on all season. It's it's a running joke. So before we talk about the fact that Connor turned a playoff, before we talk about the fact that was brought up straight away in the press conference, 50 points, record points, Mark, all that stuff, can I just toss that to one side and say, you, we, can't, we can't come out of this game overall positive, can we, even with the comeback, because of the poor first half? Oh, yeah, the first half was diabolical. So your overall view is like, this is disappointing, this game, isn't it? We lost. Yeah. We lost. I'm tired of the moral victories. I'm tired of us playing well and we didn't deserve. No, we lost. Okay, we got it. The only reason we got a bonus point was because they suddenly realised they needed a bonus point and tried to run a penalty from inside their own 22 with three minutes to go when the rain was lashing down. They knocked the ball on. We picked it up and scored. That's the only reason we got a bonus point today, even though it didn't really matter. But that's not the point. We lost the game and we lost it in the first half. And it's it's I. I was so depressed. It was the worst performance I've seen this play, and I don't know how long. I was very, very annoyed. And really, as, as William said, nobody clapped them off. That's the first time all year they haven't been clapped off at halftime. And you could tell. But then they come out in the second half and play some rugby. And, and play Connacht rugby, which is fighting, fighting for everything. They can't get into this. Sometimes they get into a little bubble of, you know, all this positivity and everything's positive and positive. But that has to be balanced correctly with a knowledge that we aren't at the same level as most of these other teams. We don't have three Lions, one of them sitting on the bench. We don't have the, the top Welsh try scorer, uh, scrum half, who's probably the, arguably the best scrum half in, the, in, in European rugby at the moment. We don't have that. So no matter how good we think we are and we've got stuff, we still have to fight 
always have to fight. Yeah, can't get the ball ripped off you easily in the tackle, can't go into contact. I mean, Ali Muldowney, one of our favourite players of the season and outstanding performances, like the way he had that ball ripped out of him, the way Rodney Ayew just dropped the ball, the way uh, Ben John, William, went through, uh, I think it was Tom McCarty and Dennis Buckley, like, neither of them were there. Uh, I, they will hate that on the video. Yeah. That is a video nasty. And those four names I've just mentioned, even Ayew in the last few weeks, they've all been delivering some big performances, but it was a clear sign that everyone was after for them. Were they off their form or not switched on because they came out in the second half? We have to sneak into that dressing room and find out what the hell gets said at half-time. It's almost ludicrous now, isn't it? Well, it is, and it's killed us. And um, we're now in a situation... OK, we're in the playoff. We'll be talking about that in a minute or two. But you look at a second-half performance like that and you realise... We left sixth place behind us. We had that door three quarters open. All we had to do was take the chance and believe and have the conviction to step in and say, we're going to finish sixth this year. And it didn't happen. The difference between the two halves, and and it happened a couple of times early in the second half, was that you had a situation where they were committing more men to rooks and maws and turning us over. That didn't happen in the second half because the likes of Jack Carty were going in and hitting fellas. Everybody was hitting fellas. We started committing guys to drugs. They didn't have a plan B. That's what happened to them. They had no plan B. They did not expect us to come out and fight as well as we did in the second half. We looked at it. We had, you know, this is where we're really going to miss Dan because that's obviously a, a thing where a forwards coach would see that the, the, the guys aren't doing the, the thing properly and everyone else has to come in and fight for it. That changed. So we, we stopped giving them turnover ball, which was killing us. We started holding on to the ball a bit more. But we, we definitely had more fight, which I'll keep saying that that is just something that has to be part of. And both Swifty and Dan said it in, in the afternoon. I, I don't know whether I caught it properly on the recorder. We'll, we'll see. Um, but it's really, really important that they didn't have a plan B. And why I was a little bit positive beforehand was because they are a team of very young players. Apart from the three or four guys, they, the rest of them are no older than our guys. And what happened was when we put pressure on, they started to panic. And we just gave ourselves too much to do. Yeah, I mean, the first 20 seconds of the second half were better than the previous 40 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so we, yeah. we get a penalty from right in front of the post. Great, lovely, sweet. No, we'll knock it over. We, we, I can't remember when... I think Munster here was the last time we put 80 minutes... Well, I wouldn't even say we put 80 minutes together there. We put 70 minutes together, 60 minutes. We have this amazing polish on for just not putting 80 minutes together and I don't know what happens and then b- before Christmas when if we'd said we'd nil Ospreys we'd win the game now we're thinking well, the reason we didn't beat Ospreys having nilled them was because in the second half was because we conceded 24 points and Mull said it, in the, Mull said it in, the, in the press conference we don't concede a try we never concede a try we concede two we concede three we did it against Ulster we did it against Glasgow we, conceded, we did it today one went in two went in three went in heads dropped we're running around like 15th there, there was more I have seen the halftime committee kids with more discipline than we saw for the last 20 minutes of the first half and again we don't know what's been said at halftime self-beliefs actually a little bit of professional pride I mean the major difference between ourselves and say a team like Zebra is that yeah we play shockingly bad for 40 minutes but we went in halftime a bit of professional pride a bit of pride in the jersey a bit of pride and we came out and we put up on a show I mean but it shouldn't be a situation I mean I felt nauseous at halftime I feel I still feel like I've been punched in the stomach but at least I've had something soothing that it doesn't hurt so much but this is also the first press conference where Pat didn't come in and go with the positive 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 he went in with the realistic realistic but also consider this as well and I think there's a little bit of air of realism that there's not enough there's a lot of positives taken from this game but they are massively outweighed by the negatives 
Yeah, so that's that's where we stand now. And you know, Connacht, Connacht are a team that are in a playoff that we would have grabbed your hands off at the start of the season. I think the Scarlets. One thing I disagree with you, even though I know what you're saying, William, that we've led a lot, left a lot behind us. I think the Scarlets are a better side than us, and I think it comes down to one game this year that I think sums up why we're six, why we're seventh and they're six. And it was when they, in the middle of Six Nations, just played us off the park over there, and that's the difference this year. And just like in bits of games, teams play us off the park. Uh, they did, and they finished ahead of us. I suppose if, if you if you look at the six teams that have finished ahead of us, our record against them is probably quite poor, uh, both home and away. We only, in fact, of the six teams that finished ahead of us when the table's done today, we didn't beat any of them away, so that's zero out of six games, and our home record is three out of six, so we've only run three out of 12 against the teams that finished ahead of us. So really, we finished where the stats would indicate yeah, that's we, what I feel, we, we should finish, but <laughs> sport doesn't always work like that, so sometimes when it's there, you just grab it, but you need the belief and the conviction to actually make that move. And that's what was, I think is more lacking than the fact that the Scarlets are actually just a better team than us. Yeah, you, you have to look at it. It takes time for teams to build the sort of ethos and the, and the knowledge of how to win games and how to come back and how to bring that in. Munster took three or four years before they managed to do it. Leinster took four or five years before they could get themselves over yeah. the line. We're slowly but surely getting there. We're still lacking a little bit. I thought Jack Hardy had a very good game today, so our 10... Situation has improved somewhat. I would I have thought he was excellent last two weeks. Yeah, no yeah, question. Yeah, I thought he played really well. And he's, he seems to have matured somewhat um, from where he was. So we, we haven't made any major new signings except that we signed all the guys who've been worth signing for us to keep them all here. The, the speeches that were made at the end, as, as Dan said, why why did he put so much time into Connacht? Fifteen years. Same with Swifty. Was the people of Connacht, the, you know, that, that the welcome that they get, the, the way people appreciate them. As we said, half-time, people didn't appreciate them because they weren't putting in the effort. They put the effort in the second half and were treated like heroes, even though they lost. I have an interview with Dan uh, McFernan from nearly eight years ago, nine years ago, after a Clint Etley game where he just spoke so passionately about rugby in the West and the crowd on that little terrace on the far side. He was in the early stages of his management at that time and he had the same drive and passion. We're going to miss him, Alan. Hugely. It's going to be a massive, leave a massive, massive hole. In, in, in there and you saw the, the emotion that he showed at the end of it um, Will we play a bit of that audio too here let's just hear you recorded it see what we got from it anyway yeah yeah you should do that and Swifty both of them got really really emotional it was you know I think most of the crowd were almost getting into tears as well it was phenomenal stuff the overriding feeling at the moment is a uh, massive disappointment uh, the game today um, and I think we we let ourselves down slightly in the first half, and uh, but it became the second half and showed a lot of fight, and I suppose showed a lot of fight epitomises what um, what Connett stand for, especially the early years when myself and Dan played together. Um, so fight, you know, that's what that's what Connett stands for, and, and now we have a bit more guile and a bit more creativity to go with it. But um, I'm just from personal point of view, just immensely proud. Uh, to call to call this place home for 15 years. This place means a lot to me and uh, my family. So I just want to say huge thanks to uh, all the Connor supporters. Thanks a lot. I know straight away you're going to get in and start talking about the rugby today, what we have to do next week and all that. Are you already in preparation mode for next week? 
No. <laughs> you you, you got to suffer the pain, um, James, first before you can uh, get down to what we've got to do because the, the, the pain is good. Like, and I, I was going to say exactly what Swifty said there. Um, and the second half there epitomised exactly what we're about. Unfortunately, sometimes the, the first half is uh, um, comes before it. And like, <laughs> you know, if, we, if, if we could if, if we could get rid of the first halves, then uh, uh, maybe we'd be a bit further up the table. I think the I think the important thing that, that I want to say, and I'm, I'm going to hijack the question a little bit there, uh, James, is. Um, I asked Danielle what I should say today on the pitch to, to the people out here and all the fans. And she said to me that when we, when we arrived here 15 years ago, the number one thing that we noticed was the welcome that we got. That goes a long way because myself, Danielle, Alex and Thomas... We feel like we belong here, and it's, it's got nothing to do with the place, it's got nothing to do with the, the, the house we live in, or, or what I do for a job, it's got to do with the, uh, with the people, the people of the West of Ireland. I feel like I belong here and I've given everything that I have in 15 years here um, and that, that's down to the welcome that I've had. I've got, I got to thank you. There will be people here, stood in here today who were stood here in, against Bezier in the first year that I played. There's about, there about 10 people stood on the sand over there. <laughs> Philip Coyle, I see him there. <laughs> now, we, we've gone a long way. We've gone a long way. It's a fantastic journey, absolutely fantastic journey. But there's a long way to go. I believe in this place. I'll be somewhere else next year. Swift will be doing something else uh, next year. I, I believe in this place. I genuinely do. That's what's kept me here all this time. Um, and next year, there'll be nothing better than to see, uh, for me to sit down watching TV and seeing Connor succeed. And to follow on from that, we got some audio from the post-game press conference where we spoke to uh, both Pat Lamb, who's the Connacht head coach, and John Monsoon. Pat, like it's been a, a really roller coaster of a game, but I guess we have to start with the first half because Connacht really, really had one of their poorer first halves in the whole season. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we've got to also understand that we're into a strong win. Uh, we're playing the best attack. I said that in the build-up, and I said that uh, defensively we need to be spot on, and if we fall off tackles, it's going to be very hard. So, um, you know, and it didn't. And we spoke about it at half-time as if well as if we had any hope in this game. There's no point doing things if we don't get our tackle quality back to where it should be, and uh, so it's 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 one of those things that you know we work as a team, and uh, and if you miss tackles, it has a has a, has a knock-on effect for, for everything, particularly when you're playing there's the standard that we're playing. So so we all get you know hurt. You know I understand some people say we don't care, and which is rubbish. I think we showed exactly what we're about in that second half, you know, and um, once we're able to control the ball and, and make our tackles and. And get into it, and um, really, really proud of the effort. We came at halftime. We kept it really calm. I normally show some clips on the uh, in the video. I didn't bother that because 
uh, we just knew that we had to get back into our game. Even our attack wasn't right. We're just doing one-off runners, which against a team like that, you're going to be no threat. So we just had to get back into our shape and uh, and come back and to uh, run them close. Uh, you know, we ran out of time in the end, but um, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it just shows what this team's made out. And as it's transpired, you know, even if we'd won, we wouldn't have got ahead. But to get 50 points uh, this season is, you know, 11 points greater than we've ever had. Uh, ten wins and a draw. Uh, you, all, you guys all know the the, the, the what-if games that we should have had. Uh, it's been a massive effort for us. And the reason we set top six was because getting to Europe, well, we've, I suppose we look back now and it's we've the highest ever finish Connex had, so that's, uh, boys can take credit of that. But the reason was about getting to Europe, and now we've got the chance next Saturday to, uh, you know, uh, Sunday, to go to Gloucester and uh, and uh, and carry on and try, and try and get into that final. That second half performance at times was phenomenal, but it probably just stalled at around 68 minutes. And at that point, when you're in the 22, you had all the moment. Yeah, it did, and we needed to be clinical too. You know, I think there's a few calls that were tough on us. Um, uh, uh, sorry, on ourselves, not not being accurate enough on that. So, um, you know, uh, we, we had the opportunity when we were, we were Moreland and yeah. um, we didn't quite know. I think we were attacking and we got turned over. So, uh, I mean, it's like I said, there's a lot of waters, but one thing I'll never... I think Dan McFarland and okay. Swifty talked about it at the end of this group, never give up, and... Uh, it was a phenomenal second half. John Muldoon, um, it was a real emotional finish to the game, but I think you can take so much out of that second half performance. We were saying to Pat, you know, that first half display must be so frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. Um, obviously, look, the wind is tough in the sports ground. You, you try and look after the ball and you, you, you kind of set yourself up for um, if you play too much in your own half. But it's it's very difficult to kick into that wind so you set yourself up if you lose um, the ball you're susceptible to conceding easy tries and again that probably cost us um, one in particular we'd won very soft try and uh, look we our scrum didn't fire in the first half and then we rectified it at half time and got probably a little bit on top be a little bit disappointed in one or two of the calls in the second half in terms of the scrum I thought they deliberately wheeled it when they are under pressure but look that's that's part of the game. You, you you get calls, you don't get other calls. And um, yeah, look, second half was much better. We came up with a bit of zip to us. Um, it was do or die at that stage, I suppose, 24 and nil down. Um, we'd be a little bit disappointed in terms of how, how many points we gave them in the first half. Into that wind and into that hill, it's, it's a matter of keeping the scores down. Um, it's very, very difficult to score up this side. Ospreys didn't get into our 22, I don't think, bar kicking the ball into it. So um, it is very difficult to get scores. It's just a matter of keeping the, the score line down, which we didn't do. They never looked like they were going to score in the second half. And I think it is, yeah, maybe they, they parked the bus a bit, but at the same time, they needed a bonus point win to, to consolidate and get home uh, semi-final, which they didn't do either. So it does show it is hard to get in there. And at half time, <coughs> after the coach has left, I just said to the lads, look, give this crowd something to, to share about and give them something to, to get on top of the referee and get on top of them and it'll mean a lot to us and in the second half it was big and obviously it was an emotional day with Swifty, Maya, um, Dan, a few of the lads have been here a long time and um, a few lads haven't been here, Mills and um, Matt and one of those two, they've only been here for the last couple of years but they've all added something to us and um, at half time we were a little bit disappointed in terms of what we had shown them on their last day. So hopefully we'll have another day in the sports ground. We can do it all over again and send them off again. (laughs) 
we can't but be positive about 50 points, William. No, you can't. And 10 wins is a good season. At the start of the season, I wanted a 50% season, 11 wins, and, to, too, and yeah. to win an away interprovincial. Those were my targets. We didn't understand at that stage the ever-changing world of Champions Cup qualification, um, which allegedly now involves playing Gloucester next Sunday week. That might get changed. We yeah. don't know, because they, <laughs> they could just decide on Wednesday they're doing something else. Um, Hope not. We're booking flights this evening, but anyway. <laughs> next season, yeah, it's it's too. We've this season isn't over yet, so we've really got to actually concentrate a little bit on that playoff, yeah, and then of the potential of the French side coming here on Sunday, the thirtieth of May. And I'll, Alan's the man who's been working on this, so let him take that over. Yeah, just before I move on to that, the, the, it's the first time we've ever scored more tries than we've let in in a <laughs> season. That, try, I gave it Swifty, but I believe it was Buckley, it looked like Swifty, yeah, I thought it was Swifty from our angle, but yeah, we're looking at the moment, it's Rasking Metro who are in 7th place you so could, 5, it, 6 other teams when I looked no, at no, the, there's uh, only, there's only really, there's only down, really 3 oh, now there's, no, like, there's some weird results would have to happen for Montpellier to come in Okay. but uh, currently it's, it's Rasking Metro, but they play at home next week oh, good. The, the other 2 teams are Bordeaux Begla, who are away to Toulouse can't see them winning that and Ionax, who are away to Toulon. So currently in seventh, Racing Metro have 60 points. Bordeaux Begler are ahead of them on 60 points, and then Ionax are on 62. Right. So the the worst of those three sides will be playing us uh, if we manage somehow to do an unbelievable job of being Gloucester. Dave, I put it to you that a team that concedes this amount of points in the first half, time after time after time, a team that looked so out of their depth for a period of time against the Ospreys, as much as we would praise them for a fantastic season overall, how in God's name can they win in Gloucester? Because they'll do what they did the last night, which was they nil Gloucester in the second half, and they'll score as many points in the second half as they did today when they nil the Ospreys. First halves don't happen. Why don't, why don't we try playing for 80 minutes? Let's try playing our second half stuff in the first half and doing the second half. Do you open. think that's possible? Well, first of all, I think I, I know you think it's possible. What's your gut feeling on whether it's going to happen? If I'm realistic, I think we'll give it one hell of a fight and we'll fall just a tiny bit short because we'll not start. But if we start properly, then I don't. I'm not worried about this Gloucester team if we start properly. If we let Gloucester have a start in us, then we're then we're. It's just impossible because the shed will come out. They will back into the hilt. Now, if we play 80 minutes of what we did of our second halves, the shed will get on their backs. But we have to get the shed on their backs. We don't turn up in the first 15 minutes. Forget about it. William, one of the things I noticed in King's Home was in that first half, in that first half, when Billy Twelfreeze put a few bad kicks in. Boy, were they on his back. It's a, it was a tense place then. I'm sure it's a happier place now with their Challenge Cup trophy in the bag. But still, you could see them turn on them pretty quickly. Um, yes, because... They have played better rugby since our game. They were impressive in the semi-final and the final. Uh, they gave London Irish uh, a thumping last weekend. And it's very important to them, the Champions Cup, because they're a club that's allegedly up for sale for £23 million sterling or something. is a figure that's put on them. So we have to start. And we have to put pressure on them. And all the pressure is already on them. We're not going to be given any real chance of winning that. But We've played Gloucester three times in serious rugby and I don't think they've beaten us by more than eight points. So I think it'll be a tight, tough game and 
what's to lose? Why not just go for it? It's it's a one-off. Go for it. Set yourself up for something. It's hard, that, hard to, it's hard to see it, but but the thing about it is that is it does change the dynamics, even though it shouldn't. You know, at fourteen 0 down against uh, Gloucester at halftime, when they got to seven, it was a totally different ball game because it was a cup game and a one-off. So it changes the dynamics. Yeah, like if you, if you look at it from a, a, a momentum point of view, we've got the momentum because we finished that game so well and there'll be a belief there that might not have been there beforehand. There'll be belief after that second half display today, there'll be a bit of belief. Because like it was like they were playing away from home in the second half for the first five, ten minutes because the crowd weren't behind them. Because the crowd were so annoyed at what had happened in the first half. So it's not as though it was the crowd that drove them on. They can, they can prove that they can go away from home and, and come up with a result. And we're due to get one against them. I'm not sure that... That you can even analyse it down to individual players. It's going to be it's going to be a team effort, yeah. and there's going to have to be a dog come in. They're going to have to. You really re- miss Quinn Rue, don't we? For yes, that? you do. And you know, Kieran Marmion limped off there today, so the squad is diminishing down yeah. to the bare bones. But maybe that'll just gel them together. It's it's going to be a case of last man standing. This is the last game of the season if we lose. If we don't lose, we'll get another game and it'll be in Galway. So it's, it's, it should be very simple. There isn't a lot of work to do. There'll be some tactical analysis, but they must know Gloucester at this stage. I think Dave is quite correct. You've got to, you've got to stay with them. They're a fi- finicky crowd. And they've also got the slightly odd thing that if they win, they don't have the final at home because their ground's been used... By a, for a madness concert the night before, which is probably a perfect summation of the Challenge Cup. It, it really felt that press release felt like they had asked the guys, "Can you give us home advantage in this one? Because we won't be able to be at home in the next one." That, that's the way it read until you read it again and realised, "Oh no, they actually did some sort of coin toss about yeah. it." But anyways, allegedly, yeah, allegedly. Um, uh, no, no evidence either way. So, Dave, uh, leaving aside our grumpiness about coin tosses that we're never going to go our way in a gazillion years, uh, that factor, the you know, getting in under their skin, the element. That that, you know, Connacht are still in it. We would. Uh, I think when they trudged off the field after a pretty poor display overall against Glasgow, although as Alan pointed out, there was lots of positives in it. I think we would have taken a playoff at that point. Oh, we did taken a playoff. <laughs> no, that's Start of the season. I, I think. I think the fact is, is that <laughs> I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like the dumbest thing ever, but there is a potential that Connacht will still be playing meaningful rugby after Galway have gone out the Connacht Football Championship. <laughs> I mean, that's mind blowing concept. I mean, I mean, I don't expect Galway to go. Usually, it's the Galway races you're talking about. But, yes. but no, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that we are still gonna. There is a potential for us to be having a meaningful game on the last day of May. I mean, God, if you said that in August. First game of the season, which was grand. Well, I can't even remember. I can't even really remember the first game of the season. I remember the first home game. I think was against the Dragons, and that was another game where we didn't. We did the opposite. We didn't really. We we nilled the team in the second. We conceded three points in the second half. And we did the second game against Edinburgh, we win it with Willie Falloon's Blake push over try. I'd have taken seventh then. I'd have taken eight. I would have gone eighth and a, and a battling, battling season. We're seventh. Yeah. We just yeah. wanted to be relevant for so long, Alan, and we're relevant now. We're in really competitive rugby in spring. Obviously, there are things to fix. Obviously, there are some really frustrating aspects, but overall, none of us, me, any one of us, aren't anything other than really happy with where we stand as a rugby team right now compared to times past. Yeah, like there's, there's three provinces in action next week and one of them is not Leinster. Ooh. And we're thankful to Leinster for saving our skins. We love, we love the guys for that now, yes. I'm sure there'll be plenty of... A red storm, man, a red storm. All right, time for Rance. William Davies. Um, if you look at the bottom of the tables for the three organisations that make up the Champions Cup qualification, uh, the bottom of the Premiership, London Welsh haven't won a game. 
Lyon have won seven games in the bottom of the top 14. Yet this afternoon, for winning three matches, Benetton Treviso have qualified. Uh, we've won 10. And obviously the teams that have finished below us but above Treviso have won more. That is a nonsense to have six teams qualifying from the Pro 12 and then two Italian teams having a private battle to qualify for the Champions Cup. It's it's not a meritocracy and that's why the whole row went on. So I think that has to be looked at. Run time for Dave Finn. Of two. Um, one is close to home and then I think we both agree on this. I thought it was poor form to send out the list of player, the official press release of the players being released at two minutes past three. It was bizarre. I've never seen anything. I couldn't believe there was an email from Connacht at two uh, three. And the only reason I knew it was there because I was listening into you and you were going on about. I'm like, well, I better check if I've been sent something, and I was. Um, that's poor form. Um, nice. I mean, admittedly, they did the, the end. The last. 15, the 15 minutes after the match that was lovely that yeah, was really great reception to also, the players God, they brought, I didn't know Swifty's mum had never seen him play rugby before yeah. the no, other, never seen him play rugby before Connacht oh, wow. the other round and this has got nothing to do with Connacht but I think this is just absolutely appalling um, you know the Eagles playing the BNI Cup the clubs in Wales were sent an email oh. this week oh. about how the provinces in Wales want to put in their B teams instead of them in the BNI Cup now we have to take into account that this is going to sound really rough coming from a country where the provinces take part but we weren't replacing anybody they are talking about replacing clubs like Pontypridd, Nice, Cross Keys uh, Aberabham, those great clubs and Pontypridd, my god how can you want to replace Pontypridd with, La- with, with a B team with no, which, which the Pontypridd people too, they have no connection to. Keep Pontypridd and those clubs in. They were in it. Why they want to do this is appalling. They want to have a B league involving the Eagles and the B teams for Scotland. Do that. That's a great idea. Why not think about that? But do not remove Pontypridd and those clubs from the league, from the BNI Cup. That is an absolutely disgraceful decision. We all criticise the IRFU from time to time. Really? Me? (laughs) No. But compared to the Welsh Rugby Union <laughs> they are in a different class. I appreciate in the next podcast I'll probably be giving out about the IRFU but seriously Welsh Rugby lives in a bizarre world and the, that, that is an appalling decision and I speak as somebody who was in Wales a couple of weeks ago talking to people who are involved with non-franchise clubs they didn't know that this was coming um, it's it, it's just a nonsense and it's just symptomatic of the way they make their decisions. So we have problems sometimes with our boys in Dublin, but they are far more geared to actually making the game work for everybody. I think I think we're, we've been a bit too harsh on our few. They gave us money this year. We've got extra coaches. We've got extra players. We you know we signed probably our biggest disappointment of the season, um, and Mr. Mullaina, who I haven't seen around since, um, and he certainly wasn't here today. And he wasn't one of the ones that got a jersey to say goodbye to either. I did notice that everyone else got a jersey, um, but Mr. Mullaina wasn't around to get that, which is slightly disappointing. But there you go. So he was a huge disappointment. But the RFU did back us. They gave us more money, and we've we've repaid them as far as I'm concerned, and that we've got into a playoff on the basis that yes, we're worth having somebody put some money into us. The other, my other little rant is, is that I heard during the week, I find this amazing. Bayon and Biarritz look as though they're going to join. Astonishing. That's just shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Anyways, if they do join together, it'll be mental. All right, that's it from us. Thanks, lads. Hey. Hey.
Gloucester next week on another podcast. Episode 30. Hang on. How are we going to work out? You were all just being paid for 29 podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Have you not got the checks? <laughs> no, 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 mine's still bouncing. You should, you should see my expense account then. <laughs>